for our guest today. I think I could have talked to her all day. She speaks my language in so many different ways. Tune in as she shares a powerful exercise to transform your story. You will not want to miss this. Trapped by the belief that I'm not good enough, bound by the limitations and the lies that consumed my world, this was me. It wasn't until I took the biggest leap in my life to know and trust the power within. And it was at that moment I made a choice. My past will not define me anymore. Hello, I am Terry Carangela, and I know I am not alone in this. Over the years, I have found that the number one mistake that we make is that we get in the way of our own success story. Yes, I said it. On this show, together we'll tackle limiting beliefs, self-sabotage, getting stuck, fear, doubt, overwhelm, and the imposter syndrome. Join us on this journey designed to transport you beyond your limitations to a world where anything is possible. This is Talking with Terry. Hello, and welcome back to Talking with Terry, where we have powerful conversations to transform your life and your business. And I'm delighted to have Dr. Carol Scott. She's a developmental psychologist, author, and TED Talks X speaker. She's also the author of Just Be Yourself, Your Guide to Improving Any Relationship. Dr. Scott, welcome to the show. Thank you, Terry. I'm so glad to be with you today. So tell us, how did you get to be where you're at today? I mean, we have kind of a shared background. I was a, I was a therapist, so I kind of understand the, the psychology piece of that. And so I'm curious for you, how did you get on this on this track? I had an interesting intersection in my 30s between my personal life and my professional life, really. And so developmental psychology isn't clinical. It's not therapy. It's, it's learning how humans grow and develop. And my focus was the early years from birth to seven. And then I went into clinical therapy. I needed to face down some demons from my childhood and started in clinical therapy where my therapist was advising me that perhaps getting some social skills that I didn't have at age 30 that a lot of adults really kind of should have might be part of the thing that I needed to do as my recovery. And so what I was finding myself doing is hearing from my therapist, you need to learn how to do this and watching the preschoolers in front of me as I was running a lab preschool at university, you know, I'm watching three and four-year-old kids develop the kinds of things that she's telling me that at 33 and 34, I don't have. And so- When those two things came together, the clinical perspective on my own history of of, uh, trauma and my developmental perspective on how children grow up, what was born for me was the self-aware success strategies, the seven things that we get from birth to seven that help us be successful as adults. Wow. So share with me, because so so that just that didn't happen overnight. No, your own journey through no. that. What Correct. was I mean? I, and I think it's always powerful because every person that I've interviewed that has had a challenge, a barrier, a block that has kept them small or kept them in this place of stuckness, it's been powerful to see that that's been their journey. Like that is that's how we found that awareness to, you know, share our story, share a message and have a bigger impact. Mm-hmm. It's, it's so beautiful. It is so personal. It is so unique to each and every person. So share a little bit more about that process for you. Yeah. I, you know, I, sometimes I got an opportunity once to describe my life in chapters for a research Ooh. study that I was participating in. And oh, I said, sure. you know, the first, <laughs> the first 14 years were trauma. Hmm. About the next 14 years until I was almost 30 
I was pretty much in this sort of flailing, trying to figure out how to deal with the trauma, but not having any tools. So I was really just acting it out. And then I turned 30 and I woke up the morning after I was 30 and had this question in my mind, Terry. I wonder if there's something wrong with needing to smoke pot every day. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) And, uh, you know, I had never asked myself the question if whether the amount that I drank or the amount that I used uh, street drugs was a problem. It just was the way that I coped. So it wasn't even a question that had ever come into my mind that it was a problem. But here I am. I'm a young professional. I'm running a university lab preschool. I'm working on my PhD and I'm smoking pot every day. Huh. You know, and so that uh, that awareness, that awakening, I think, is what happens for a lot of us, that the big deal that we need to deal with comes up around that 30 to 35. It, you can only run from it for so long. Um, exactly. And I and wonder, yeah. and we, you're the researcher here. I think there's something profound around age 30 that happens. And I don't know what quite how to describe it, but myself and, you know, for many of my friends that, you know, when you hit that 30 and actually it was funny for me when my husband turned, he's two years older than I am. When he turned 30, I had my breakdown. So I was at 28 and I was like, Oh, my husband's turned 30. My husband, Oh my gosh, have I done everything I needed to do? <laughs> and I started like evaluating myself for, like prematurely. Yeah. But the 30 was what triggered, you know, not only his, but mine too. And I'm like, ah, so I kind of, I became a little neurotic there for a moment and be like, Oh my gosh, you know, what am I doing with my life? Like I'm just blah, blah. So right. when I hit 30, I was a little less psychotic about it. (laughs) But But you know, I think about that, like transitioning from like, you know, really into like, I don't know, you just, you have so much more life under your, your, yourself and you've kind of figured things out. Like you're, you're figuring out the kind of the, the whole adulting situation, you know, (laughs) I think there's, I think there's a very good reason why our presidents have to be 35 years old. Yes. (laughs) I, I don't know where that, that wisdom comes from, but I think we've yes. known about it for a while since the yes. constitution was written. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, I, this is the group of people that I want to work with is people who have hit that point where they said, okay, this big deal that is holding me back, I'm ready to deal with that and get, get it off my plate. And then what they often find, like I did, is that the next chapter after facing down the big deal is there's a lot more work to do that goes on for decades. And so, you know, for me, I had a a child, are you familiar with the adverse childhood experiences, Terry, the ACEs? ACEs So there's 10 really traumatic childhood experiences. Well, my score is seven. And so to face down that then was like seven years of individual and group therapy to cope with the big stuff and to get, get the basics of a personality structure that could then carry on. And so then it was 10, 20, 30 years of practicing, having a personality, having a way to interrelate with people that was different from the flailing, you know, and learning, practicing, learning how to be an adult starting at age almost 40. Yeah. And so I've been practicing for 27 years now how to be a grown up. I'm pretty good at it, I think. (laughs) And now I've decided to give other people advice about how to do it. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Well, that's how we have this big impact, right? And I think You know, there's nothing short of more people like yourself doing the work that we get to do because 
you know, we're at a facing a time where this, this pandemic, this medical pandemic that has now became a mental health pandemic. Mm -hmm. And in my opinion, it is a full pledged mental health pandemic at this point. Um, we've, we've hit our, we've hit the breaking point. I feel like a, a few months ago, we hit this breaking point that we're like, there's no turning back. And the amount of trauma that has been caused psychologically, physically, spiritually, emotionally, like just has covered all bases. And so, and what's happening, what, and you've probably noticed this too, is that anything we were running from, hiding from, and avoiding, if if it hasn't already been brought up, <laughs> now it has, right? right, right. Um, and especially if I, and I work with a lot of women mm-hmm. entrepreneurs and in the same kind of boat and, you know, having a business alongside of this, alongside a, you know, mental health pandemic, like, stuff is being exposed in a, yes, in a yes, profound, yes. profound way. And so Amen. it is, and I feel like we're as a, as a collective consciousness, we are dealing with a ton of stuff right now and it's beautiful and scary and terrifying all at the uh, same time, you know? Uh-huh, uh-huh. So and, I, have, oh, and, and I would like to say, it feels like we, for, for a year and a half, everything's been pushed down and simmering under you know, like when you get depressed, clinical depression is, is a feeling that your emotions are pushed down. You don't have yeah. them. And now that we're coming out of it, everything is just like exploding yeah. and all this stuff is coming out and all of this new possibility, therefore, is also being born, I think. Yes. That's a great way of looking at it, too, because you're right. It's almost like a blanket of like, and, and there was, you know, when we go into trauma brain, right? Like we just go like into survival. We're like, right, right. Do I have clothing? Do I have shelter? Do I have food? Like, okay, let's go back to the basics, you know, you know, Maslow's, you know, hierarchy of make sure that the basics are being exactly. And now that we're like out of that place, you know, I was saying to someone the other day that, you know, some folks, you know, I made the choice not to go into fear, a conscious choice, not to go into fear because I, that's just where I lie just because of my own past and my own, you know, fear experiences. And I was just like, you know what? Life's too precious. And I'm just going to not make that. Cause I was like, I want to, I want to help be the solution, you know, then, you know, and so anyway, so, but there's people that are kind of, I call it defrosting, you know, some right. took, some took, you know, myself was like 24 hours. I'm like, okay, let's, how do we, how do we shift this? You know, and some people took, you know, a year and some people are still coming out of the defrosting mode, but there are people that are, waking up, there are people that are starting to do the deeper work, um, which is not easy. And it's, you know, it's always, it's always a journey and it's always a personal journey. I believe that it's all different for each one of us in this, in this way. But as you said, like there's such possibility that lives on this other side, that it's so juicy. It is, Uh, and, And when we start to get a taste of it, it's like, Ooh, I'll take some more of that. I'll take some more of that. And so I think that that's what's happening right now is like, people are starting to get curious and starting to say, you know, what is, what is, what else is out there for me? Right. Getting a sip of the possibility. Yes. I love it. So let me, let's, let's break this down. You know, what are some of those tools and strategies that you have discovered in your work and in your research that has been very helpful for people to expand themselves and even in not only to relationship with others, but also their relationship with themselves. One of the things that I got really early in the process was the understanding that as adult interpersonal relationships, we need a few things. We need to be able to trust each other. Well, what does that really mean? We say that we trust someone. We say that we don't trust someone else. What does that mean exactly? So I went back to where in child development does trust emerge? And it's in the first six months of life when uh, infants are utterly dependent, as you were saying, those survival skills on whatever adults are nearby. 
And yeah. when they are, are hungry or cold or uncomfortable in some other way, the only thing that the only tool they have is to yell, help me, I'm hungry. Help, help, help. That's all they're doing. They're lying, they're crying. What they're doing is saying, help me. And if when they need something like that, someone comes and someone comes consistently when they need something. That's like this core fundamental beginning of trust. You're a baby and nobody comes. You're hungry and you cry help and nobody comes to feed you. And that happens over and over and over again. Or your, your diaper is wet and you're cold and uncomfortable and nobody comes to change it for a long, long time. Then maybe your skin gets really chafed and sore and nobody takes care of it. Yeah. And what you learn, what your brain wires around then is that the world does not come for you. The world is not there for you. People do not have your back. Your needs will not be met. And that's what trust, right. That's what trust as an adult is about. I have needs. I need things from you. If you're my friend, I need things from you. If you're my spouse, I need things from you. If you're my boss, I need things from you. Interpersonal things. Mm -hmm. I need you to validate my existence in certain ways, if you will. And if I'm not getting those needs met, then I don't feel like the world has my back and I don't trust anybody. And if I'm a boss, if I'm a team manager and I need to trust people and I can't do it, then likely I'm not very good at delegating. Yeah. I'm not very good at getting the team to work together. I'm probably doing a whole lot of the work myself and I'm not being as productive as I could be with my team. And so these, these lack of, of uh, the lack of early learning patterns then leads us into these adult patterns that we're not even conscious of being about early childhood. And yet they affect our daily lives with our spouses, our work, our everything we do. Yeah, it's powerful. You probably have studied some of the work with Dr. Bruce Perry, who talks about, you know, the neurosequential modeling of trauma and, you know, the type of trauma, whether it's a type one type of trauma or type two. And, you know, what does that look like in, at what developmental stage that trauma happens at and what time it occurs and the, the, the direct impact that it has on the brain and yeah. how the brain actually how the brain forms um, right. out of these experiences is pretty profound. And um, that's what I really want people to understand at a really simple level is that the brain comes to us as a bunch of loose wires. They're not connected to each other. Yeah. The, the eyes are connected to the part of the brain that's going to process all that input and the ears are connected to the part of the brain that's going to, but the input then wires everything else together. Hundreds of billions of neurons are just a loose plate of spaghetti when you come into the world. And it is <laughs> <a> great analogy. <laughs> and it is the actual interactions with the environment, with other people, with the, the temperature in the room. I mean, every single experience, sensory experience the infant has wires neurons. To, it's a lot is going on in those little babies. And so we have to make room for our awareness as the adults that what we're doing, whether we call ourselves a teacher or a parent or not, it doesn't matter. We are teaching and parenting every moment we're with a young infant or a toddler even, because that brain development, that hundred million new connections every second, that happens until they're like age three, 85% of the brain is built from yeah. birth to three. And that's what I really get, want people to get. They're building yeah. brains. Yeah, they are. And every experience, you know, gets, you know, reinforced or not reinforced based on those behaviors. And I, you know, they're, you know, the, the first three years, and then even up to the first five years is so incredibly powerful. And then even up to the age eight, you know, for the, you know, unconscious um, part of the brain to develop and it's, it's, it's powerful. And then, you know, you know, for, so let me ask you this, we have adults that have may have not had had a great foundation. Okay. What is a 
tool, a strategy, or how do you start working with an individual that says, okay, yes, there is my upbringing is, and my brain development is, is now I'm aware that there is some impact, you know, there is a a correlation between this and this. Mm -hmm. How do you start working with someone in that case? I have developed these activities that I call development do-overs, and I have some for each of the seven success strategies. And so uh, since I talk, talked about the trust and how it develops, I'll talk about the next success strategy, independence, in this conversation. So the way to develop independence, which is the toddlers, their success strategy, though, is to be who they are, to own who they are, to say, I am who I am. This is what I want. This is how I feel. This is what I think. And I really don't give a flip whether you are different. If you think differently, feel differently, want different stuff, that's okay with me. Yeah. Don't get in my way though. (laughs) Okay. That's a toddler, right? That's the essence of a toddler. Yeah. So when, when we want to know how to develop that, when we don't have the ability to say, I know what I want, Mm -hmm. I know how I feel. And even if you didn't have a lot of trauma in your life, you can come through to age three or four and not have a good capacity to assess your emotional state. Yes. Because we don't like toddlers to have certain feelings. And so we mess with telling them which ones they can have and which ones they can't. And it Agreed. kind of jacks, jacks up the developmental process. I, to them. Yeah. <laughs> right. I, you're speaking my language. Yes. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. so the way to, to look at that now as an adult is to, first of all, look at the boundaries of yourself, the edge of yourself. Can you tell where you end and other people begin? And if not to start, I use a lot of visualization and reflection kind of tools. So using visual imagery, like the phases of the moon or things in nature, like helping people understand that the edge, the boundary is not saying, no, I won't let you do that. The boundary is saying, I feel this and you don't. Yeah. You have other feelings. You know, when a toddler cries because they're upset in a room full of toddlers, they all start crying because emotion is contagious when you're two. Yeah. You don't have any way to say, I have an edge over here. I have an emotional skin that separates me from you. And yeah. your emotional life is something different. But by the time you're three and four, you should be getting that. You should have that. And a lot of us in adulthood don't have it. We don't know how to tell our emotions from other people's emotions. And we fall into their feelings and we do what they want because we don't know what we want. Yeah. It's powerful. I, I tell this, this often when I ask people what they do desire, I more times than not, and it's a huge percentage of more times than not that I'll ask people like, what do you desire? You know, and they tell me everything that they don't. Right. Because they don't, they don't have, they haven't had that clarity around. Yes. This is what I would like in my life. You know? Yes. Yes. So interestingly, uh, metaphysically and spiritually, I believe that the universe doesn't hear don't not. Yeah. So all those things, I don't want that. I don't want that. I don't want that. That's like, you're just saying, I want it. I want it more of that. And then when it shows up in our lives, we're like, why is it showing up? I don't want this. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm right there with you. Words are very powerful. Words hold energy. And when we are, you know, out there spouting off what we don't want, you're absolutely right. Reading that, you know, I always tell people, everything is created twice, once in our mind and then once in physical reality. And so you know, we can take a good look at our <laughs> lives and right. say, you know, and ask, you know, yeah, assess in our lives right now is everything that we have right now 
what, you know, is that that we desire? Because if it's not, we got to take a look at, you know, what are we creating? Yeah. Part of that. And that's part of those messages, like those unconscious, you know, subconscious stories that were, that we were a part of, that we experienced has, you know, started to create the stories, the behaviors, the patterns that we are now as adults carrying out. And sometimes we're aware of them. Most of the times we're not. We're not. We're not. And that one of the tools that I use a lot with people is rewrite your story. Recognize that your story is just a story and rewrite it. Um, and I have a little video even on my the media section of my website called Rewrite the Story of Your Life because it is about recognizing, you know, the data that could come into us, the sensory data that could come in through our eyes and ears and nose and all the all factor, you know, everything we have. It's huge compared to what we take in. It's voluminous. It's like billions of times more information than we take in. And so right there, you have to know that your story is not reality because reality is like deeper by far and wider than you can see or sense in any way. And so then you take this little, I say, you take sips from the fire hose of life. It's like this gigantic, huge wall of water coming at you. And you're taking little selected sips here and there and forming your understanding of what the world is based on that. And everybody else is taking other sips, my friend. Yeah, You know, so they're all going to have different stories. And that's why police witness, you know, eyewitness testimony doesn't work because everybody has a different story of what happened. Yeah. And then you add, you throw a little trauma in there too. Just boom. Oh yeah. <laughs> then over. I'm reacting from yeah. that. And yeah. I'm telling you the story of my trauma instead of telling you what just. Yeah. Yeah. It's powerful. It's absolutely powerful. Just happened in front of us. Exactly. Right. Oh yeah. Right. So besides what you've shared today, what's a little, and I think ending with that piece of it, you know, I think rewriting your story is powerful because I invite people to have choice, right? And invite people to explore what does that story really look like? Can you just say a little bit more like what, if someone were to leave today and say, okay, I'm going to rewrite my story. What, what would you say are the, the kind of guidelines or tips or tricks that you have found to be effective in writing a new story? And obviously going and checking out the video, which we'll, we'll link in here too, um, which would be helpful. You know, the tool that I talk about in the video that I just love, I call two column journaling. So you make a, you make two columns on a piece of paper and on the left side, you write in single statements, one per row. So you're writing down things like he was so mad at me. He yelled. uh, I didn't understand what was happening. Like you write down all of your experience and you're writing it from the story. You're writing it from the emotional perspective. On the right column, you go back and you try to be a video camera. So you roll back history. You say, okay, what actually happened? If I could just restrict my sentences to things that my eyes could see, things that my ears could hear, Mm -hmm. things that my nose could smell, things that my hands could feel. If I just said those things, what actually happened? Mm -hmm. He made a face that scrunched up his forehead and his mouth was open wide. That's opposite my story of he was really angry. I interpreted that facial expression and it told me he was really angry. Okay, then he yelled at me. So my story is he yelled at me. What really happened was his voice got louder. His volume went up. So get back to the sensory data and unpack the story back to its origins as much as you can. And then hide the left-hand column and look at the right hand and see if you can tell yourself a different story about it. How could I interpret this differently than I did the first? What could that have been if it wasn't? He was really angry and yelling at me and all this other stuff that I thought happened. What else could have been happening for him? Yeah, that's a great exercise because as as we know, everything 
we filter everything in from our lenses, right? Our, yep. All of our past, we, we filter everything in yep. our lenses, but also we give it meaning. We give it, we give it the perception. And again, like you said, the fire hose, everyone has a different fire hose and they're taking different sips. So your experience and my experience of that same experience could have been, it, it could be very different. So I, I love yes. how you get so concrete and that's a great exercise. So for folks that are listening, take her up on this, do this exercise and just kind of see what awareness is, what insights, what new stories you can create from this. What a powerful way to wrap today up. Okay. So Dr. Scott, how do people come and get in touch with you? Come and find me at my website, lcarolscott.com or on Facebook, Dr. L. Carol Scott. Perfect. Thank you so much. This is so yummy. We're going to have to have you come back because this is such great information. And I think sometimes we forget how we are today, you know, oftentimes was, is as a result of all this other stuff and it does have a direct impact, but it doesn't have to, it doesn't have to, we don't have to continue carrying on that story. We don't have to continue carrying on that family legacy, whether it was healthy or not healthy or what it fits for us or doesn't fit for us. Like we, you know, we have the power within to transform it. My favorite favorite new quote is we're not stuck with what we grew up with. Ah, I love it. What a great way to end. Thank you so much for being here today. And I look forward to staying in touch. Thanks, Terry. I am so grateful that you joined me for this episode. If you've enjoyed this, then there's just one thing that I would like you to do click to subscribe and leave me a rating and review. As my way to thank you, let's connect for a free consultation. Just reach out to me at talkingwithterry, that's T-E-R-I dot com to book your time. Okay, you know you all have homework tonight, right? I invite you to write your story using her method and I wonder what you will discover. The possibilities are endless. Our next guest is a master voice coach And for all of you all that are shying away from public speaking, this is a must listen to show.